Good morning, Lamb of God family. This week, we are talking about family. We're continuing our series on families. We want to make sure that we're winning at home. And Pastor Tim last week delivered a great and powerful message all about families. And it got me to thinking about my own life and in my own family and the things I experienced growing up. How many of you guys have a dysfunctional family? Maybe you have a family that's a little bit crazy. You've gone through some insane things. And a lot of you may have a family that's loving, but we all have problems in our families. We've experienced hardships and trials. We've experienced all kinds of insane things. And, and some of you may have families that are blended families. Maybe you have a stepmom and a dad or a stepdad and a mom. Maybe your families are split. Some of you have a lot of siblings. Families are incredible. They look different. And we have a variety of ways that love is in our lives. I've been thinking a lot about unique families like that. And families that are maybe a little bit dysfunctional or blended, or they have a lot of family members. And I started thinking about Joseph in the Bible. We've heard the story about Joseph many times. He's the guy who had the crazy dreams and the colorful coat, like in that musical with uh, the Osborne guy. I, I forget what it's called. But what you may not realize is that Joseph had a dysfunctional family. Joseph had a blended family. Joseph had a lot of siblings. Joseph was the son of Jacob, and Jacob had four wives. That's a lot. We don't do that here in the United States. And Jacob had 12 sons from these different wives. That's just sons. That doesn't include his daughters. He had a lot of kids. One of Jacob's children was Joseph, the guy who we're talking about today. And Joseph had a very interesting life with all of this dysfunction and all of these siblings and a lot of stepmoms, too many stepmoms. When Joseph was a teenager, he really wasn't very popular with his brothers. You see, he was his father's favorite son. He was gifted that cloak from his father, and that cloak represented that someday Joseph would inherit the family's riches. He would become the head of the household. His brothers were quite jealous of this. And then Joseph had some crazy dreams. Have you ever had a crazy dream before? I have. As a matter of fact, I had a crazy dream the other night. I, I dreamed that I was the muffler on a car. Yeah, I was exhausted. Get it? Exhausted? I... Okay, listen, I, I've been working on that joke all week, and I don't think it landed the way I wanted it to, but I tried. Well, Joseph had some crazy dreams. He had a dream where there was like 12 bundles of wheat and they were bowing before him and then, then something about some moon and stars and, and the sun and, and they were crazy dreams. And he told his brothers about these dreams. But what these dreams represented is that someday Joseph would be the head of the household. He was this little punk that was his dad's favorite and he was going to someday lead the household. They didn't like that. And so they began to conspire against him. They decided that they were going to beat him up and they attempted to kill him. But one of the brothers inter interceded and he was not killed, but instead they threw him into a well or a cistern. They took his beautiful multicolored coat and they covered it in goat's blood. And they presented it to their father to make them think that Joseph was dead. And, and they left him for dead in this well. But some slavers had passed by. 
So they went ahead and they pulled him out and decided to sell him to some slavers instead. And Joseph from there became a slave. That's a dysfunctional family. Uh, You may have been wronged by your own family, but I don't think uh, any of them has thrown you into a well for dead and then sold you into slavery. Now, that's not to say that the problems you've had with your family aren't terrible. We've all had some bad situations, and some of you have had horrific things. But today, I want to talk to you about forgiving family. I'm going to talk to you about forgiving the people that have hurt you. Some of you have been through some awful, awful situations. You've had family who's betrayed you. These are the people who are supposed to take care of us. We are, our moms and dads, they're supposed to be here for us. They're supposed to raise us in love and keep us safe from this world. But they've hurt you. They've done things to you that nobody should ever do to you. Maybe they just weren't there for you at all. And it may not be your mom and dad. It could be a sibling. Maybe you've had a sibling who was supposed to be your best friend. They were supposed to take care of you. They were supposed to have your back in any situation. But they abandoned you or they betrayed you. Maybe your own children have done things that you never expected your own child to do. And I'm a father and I know you love your child more than anything in this world. And to be betrayed by them, that's got to hurt. Joseph was betrayed by his family. He went through some difficult things with his family. Today I have five points about forgiving our family. I know this is going to be difficult for some of you. But hopefully by the end of this video... You'll see why we need to forgive our family, the people who have hurt us, the people who were supposed to love us the most. We will learn why we should forgive them when they hurt us so badly. I, I want to tell you a little bit about my life. I, I've shared this story before, but I, I, I want to talk more specifically about the hurts that have happened to me, about the bad things that have happened to me. I grew up without a father. My, my mom was young. My dad was young. They were still in school when I was born. For whatever reason, my father was not there. He, he disappeared when I was very young, and my sister and I were left without him. Now, my grandfather stepped up, and he did a lot of the fathering in my life. But still, growing up without a dad, that hurts. I remember as a small child laying in bed asking God, why? Why isn't my dad here? Why doesn't he love me? And that hurts as a little child to feel that insecurity, to feel unloved. That's not something a child should have to go through. And then the men that were in my mother's life were not good. They would yell and scream and call me names. They, they, they said things to me that were terrible. A small child should be loved unconditionally. And they should be encouraged and told how wonderful and special they are. Yeah, I was told that I was stupid. I was called names. I was teased and made fun of by men who were supposed to be a father figure in my life. And I love my mom so much. But as a teenager, there was resentment there for those things happening. Today, I wanted to bring you this message because of the past I've been through. I've started a journey recently of healing, of forgiveness, of looking at my past and seeing how my past has informed who I am today. And I've learned that I need to forgive the people that have hurt me. I'm, I'm not completely healed, but it will happen. I'm on this journey. 
And I want to bring you on this journey with me. So let's begin with our first point. So when we speak of forgiving family, we need to look at our trauma. We need to look at our past and the ways we've been hurt. And we need to admit that we've been hurt. I spent years of my life looking back on the situation with my dad and saying, you know what? My grandpa was there and he was a great father to me. And you know what? I, I'm not that hurt. It doesn't hurt that bad. I'm okay. Because I have somebody who loves me and takes care of me. And, and I grew up in the church and I knew that God was my supernatural father. That when my father wasn't there, I had a father in heaven. I was a child of God. But I look at my life and I look at the person I am and I look at my insecurities and my, my shortcomings and I realize that that pain that I went through, that my father abandoning me, it hurt me a lot more than I realized. Now here's the thing, admitting your hurt does not make you weak. It doesn't mean you failed. You're, you're still strong. You're still here and you're still with us. But admitting your pain does not make you weak. Actually, it takes courage to admit that you've been hurt because it's frightening to confess that I am not okay sometimes. We want people to look at us and see somebody who's strong, who's got it together. But that's not always the case. It's okay to admit you're hurt. It's okay to be sad. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you don't trust God. We're all hurt, all of us. Even those who have grown up in a family that they thought was a wonderful family, you've been hurt. And it's okay to admit it. Because until you admit the pain you've been through, there's no way you can look back and say, I need help. And some of you are scared to admit your pain because you're scared to admit that the person who hurt you has any type of victory. It doesn't mean they have victory if you're hurt. It doesn't mean that they won if you're hurt. When we've been hurt, sometimes we want to get even. Sometimes we just want that person to know the pain that they put us in. We want them to experience the pain they put us in because they need to be punished according to us and getting even can feel good, right? It can feel good when you look at somebody and justice has been served. Romans 12, 19 says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't want us to take pleasure in the suffering of others because we should be above that. We should want to see everybody happy and joyful, and we should want everyone to succeed. But you've been hurt, and you want to get even. But let me tell you, getting even can do more damage. I think of a story of a little boy and a little girl who were playing in their bedroom. The parents were in another room. The little girl hurts the little boy. She pulls his hair, and he begins to scream and cry. And Mom and Dad run in the room, and they figure out what's going on, and they resolve the issue, and they say, all right, it's time to get along. You should not have done that to your big brother, but you know what? It's time to play, it's time to get along, and they leave the room, and then they hear screaming and crying, but this time it's from the little girl. They run into the room, they check on them, the little girl's crying, and then they find out that the big brother had pulled the little girl's hair back, and she's crying now, and he says, now she knows what I've been through. 
Now she knows how it feels. Now what good did that do? It didn't do any good. It just left, left everybody stressed out and crying. And yes, maybe I'm trivializing some of this by comparing it to a little boy and a little girl playing, but here's the thing. That didn't do good for anyone. All of us parents have been there where our kids are fighting and they don't stop and they just keep going back and saying, well, he did this to me, she did that to me. It happens in my house almost daily. And it's stressful. It doesn't help anyone. In our lives, getting even doesn't help anyone. It just causes a lot more drama and it only extends your pain. Point number three, we need to look at how Christ sees the person that has hurt you. We look at the people who have hurt us. And some of these people have done terrible things. And we look at them and we see a monster. I'll be honest, there's a person in my life who has hurt somebody very close to me. And I look at this man and I can't help some days but see a monster. And I look at him and I get upset, I get angry, but I'm not looking at them as God looks at them. We need to look at people who have hurt us. We need to see them the way our Savior sees us. Because Jesus died for all of us. Not just for me, not just for you, but he died for that person that hurt you. And that person may not have accepted Christ. That person may not be trying to change they might not be sorry that they hurt you, but Jesus died for them just as much as he died for you and just as much as he died for me. It's, it's a hard one to comprehend. It's a hard point to wrap our heads around. But the, the most famous scripture verse in the world says, for God so loved the world. Not for God so loved you, or not for God so loved the, the person that's hurt, for God so loved the broken, for God so loved the world, so all of those and more, that he gave his only son. When Jesus looks at that person, he doesn't see a monster, but he sees somebody who's in pain. He sees somebody who is hurting you see, here's the thing, and this will bring me in to our next point. The actions we take, the actions that anybody takes, they're a response to the trauma we've been through. That person didn't hurt you because they were okay. That person hurt you because they were hurting themselves. My next point is to repent. Because here's the thing, when we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts, when we are hurting, the decisions we make are a response to that hurt. That person didn't hurt you because they're evil. They hurt you because they're hurt themselves. That's a hard one to admit. My father wasn't there for me, and I don't know why, but here's what I do know. Somebody hurt him. Somebody wronged him, and that led to some decisions that weren't the best. That led to some decisions that hurt me, that hurt my sister, that hurt my mother. I don't know what happened to him, but he's hurt. He's in pain. And you're hurt. You're in pain. 
And being hurt and in pain causes us to do some bad things sometimes. Now, first of all, the Bible does tell us in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Now, we, we don't want to forgive people just because we want forgiveness. But it's clear in the Bible, it's very clear that if we don't forgive others, then we don't have forgiveness ourselves. But I also want to take that further and say that if you don't forgive the people who have hurt you, then you can't possibly begin to get over that hurt. And when you're in hurt, just like the person who hurt you acted out of their pain, you're going to act out of yours. So part of forgiving people who have hurt you is repenting for the things you've done wrong. I was abandoned by my father. I was verbally abused. And I won't go in to my sins today, but I will tell you this. I now look at my past trauma and the things I've been through, and I say, man, I've done some stupid things because of that. I look at my abandonment issues and how it's caused me to seek the approval of others in destructive ways. I look at my verbal abuse that has happened to me and how that's caused me to be insecure and has caused me to sometimes not have patience for people who just aren't kind all the time. Once we repent of these things, of the, of the responses we've had to our trauma, we can then begin to forgive the person that hurt us and we can begin to forgive ourselves. So my last point is this, forgive. Who do you need to forgive today? I want you to spend a moment sitting in your home right now and I want you to think about that. Who do you need to forgive? Who's hurt you? I want you to then repent of the ways you've hurt others. I want you to repent. I want you to forgive yourself. And I want you to forgive that person. Now, this may not be an easy thing to do. And it might not happen in a moment. I've been on this journey for a few months myself. And I am still on that journey. There's days where I feel like I've forgiven and then days where I, I, I don't feel like I have it yet. But today we're going to, to step forth in this journey. Now you may be watching this for the first time. And maybe you're watching this for the millionth time. Maybe you've heard about what Jesus did for you and maybe you haven't. Maybe you understand the implications of that and maybe you don't. So today I'm going to tell you a story. This man, Jesus, came to this earth. He was the Son of God. He was God. And Jesus, he saw that someday you would be here. He saw that you would be hurting and broken. And he didn't want that for you. And Jesus, he saw that you've messed up. He saw that the person that hurts you has messed up. And God looked down from heaven and he saw all this pain and this suffering. And he knew that there was no way out of it. 
that we were too far gone. You see, we're, we're supposed to be punished for our transgressions. And, and, and on our own, there's no way out of it. I've been telling the youth lately that God wanted to get us out of it. And he's the almighty father. And he's the creator of everything. And, and he could have just snapped his fingers and got rid of sin. But that would have required just mindless obedience. We wouldn't have been somebody who truly loved him, but we would have been slaves. He didn't want that. So he knew that there had to be atonement. There had to be a punishment for the things we've done wrong. So he came to this earth and he lived perfectly. Never sinned, but only loved holy. He never hurt anyone. And yet he decided to take the punishment for your sin. He gave up his life. The almighty creator allowed himself to be arrested and beat and torn apart and nailed to a cross and suffered for hours because he knew that the punishment for our sin is death. And for three days, he was dead. But on that third day, he came back to life and he defeated death and he took the victory. And that punishment that he endured, that punishment that he allowed himself to go through, he didn't have to go through it, but he loved you so much that means that you and I have forgiveness. Here's something you may not know. Your sins and transgressions have already been forgiven. You just need to accept it. You don't need to, to jump through hoops. You don't need to get your life together right now. You don't need to say, you know what, Ryan, before I accept Jesus' forgiveness, I'm just going to quit drinking. I'm just going to get through my trauma. I'm just going to quit doing drugs. I'm just going to find more time in my life to dedicate to God, but right now I can't do it. Listen, you don't have to have it together right now. He loves you, and you just have to accept his forgiveness because he's already forgiven you. You just have to accept it. And then we'll work on the rest together. We'll work on getting through this pain and this trauma together. Today, let's pray together. Let's pray about forgiveness. Let's pray that God will forgive us as he already has and accept that gift. Dear Father, thank you for the people watching today. And Lord, I pray that there are people watching that would accept your gift of forgiveness. And right now, family, as you're listening to me pray, ask for God to forgive you. Let him know that you believe in Jesus and that he was a son of God, that he lived a perfect life, and that he took your punishment and accept it. Thank you, God, for the people who have accepted your love today and accepted your forgiveness. Today, I pray that you would change their lives, God, that you would help them on this journey to forgive themselves, to forgive the people around them. In your name, amen. Today, we're going to end with the story of Joseph because I think it's powerful. I've explained all of these things, and here's the incredible thing. Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph then worked his way out of prison by interpreting some dreams. Joseph then went on to become the, the, the visor, it's called. He became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. 
And Joseph, while he was there for a long time, his brothers then arrived and they didn't recognize him. He was a different person, but he, he was still hurt from his brothers. And through a series of events, he, he gave them more food, but they didn't recognize him. He sent them home to grab one of his other brothers. And when they returned, he gave them more food, returned their money, and then he revealed to them that it was him. That I'm your brother. I might be 30 now instead of 16, but here I am. And he said to them this, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me. I love this. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. For the famine has been in the land for the last two years. And there are five years more. There will neither be unplowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. So it's not you who sent me here, but God. And then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, he and his brothers talked. That's powerful. Joseph had been through a lot. He had a tragic life leading up to his rising up to the second most powerful man in the land. He could have commanded to have his brothers put away, but he didn't get vengeance, just like point number two there. He didn't look at his brothers and he didn't see somebody evil, but he looked at him and said, hey, the trials I've been through, they were so that I could become better and that I could help you. And he, he didn't get upset and yell and scream, but he forgave them. So today I'm going to challenge you to forgive. Maybe you can't talk to the person that's hurt you because they are so far gone that they're impossible to communicate with, or maybe they're missing from your life like my father's missing from mine, or maybe they've passed away. But today I'm going to challenge you to forgive them. And today I want to look at this camera. And I know my dad isn't watching this, but in the off chance that he is, I forgive you. So today, let's forgive the people that have hurt, that have hurt us because I want you to live in wholeness and freedom and peace. I want to see you away from that pain because I want you to remember something, that you're special, that God loves you. Thank you for today for listening. Thank you today for hearing what God has had to, to say to you. And you guys, we'll see you next week.